Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 1 On the Border 1. It was my original plan to ride from Arizona to Panama by automobile. In fact, I even went so far as to purchase the automobile. It had been newly painted, and the second-hand dealer assured me that no car in all the border country had a greater reputation. This proved to be the truth. The first stranger I met grinned at my new prize with an air of pleased recognition. "'Well, well,' he exclaimed, "'do you own it now?' So did the second stranger and the third. I had acquired not only an automobile, but a definite standing in the community." people who had hitherto passed me without a glance now smiled at me there was even some discussion of organizing a club of which i was to be the president my term of office to continue until i could sell the car to someone else when i announced that i meant to drive to panama down through mexico guatemala salvador honduras nicaragua costa rica and any other republics which i might discover along the way Everyone who heard of the idea offered encouragement. You've got the right car for that trip, my boy. Since you'll find no roads down there, you'll need a companion to walk ahead and chop down the cactus or level off the mountains, and if you step hard on the gas, you'll just about be able to keep up with him. 2. I suspected that there was an element of insincerity in this encouragement i was rather young however at the time of that first venture in foreign travel it was only a few months after the armistice and i felt disinclined to return to cub reporting on a daily newspaper i elected myself to the loftier sounding profession of freelance newspaper correspondent i purchased a palm beach suit and an automatic pistol i was going south into the land of romance of tropical moons glimpsed through whispering palm-trees of tinkling guitars echoing through moorish patios of black-eyed senoritas and red-nosed soldiers of fortune of all the many things beyond the ken of mere cub reporters despite the encouragement i tacked my banner to the back of my car and set out upon a round of farewells three my departure was very dramatic men shook hands with an air of finality two or three girls kissed me good-bye with conventional little pecks that seemed to say i'll never see the poor devil again so i may as well waste some osculation on him i had made the entire circuit until there remained only a couple of village schoolmarms who happened most unfortunately to live on top of the highest hill in town halfway to the summit i perceived that my car was never destined to climb that hill it slackened speed it stopped it commenced to roll backward i was forced to throw it into reverse just as the school marms appeared in their doorway the situation was humiliating i became slightly flustered i meant to step on the brake but i stepped on the gas wherefore after someone had picked me out of the debris i started southward by train chapter two bandits one i crossed the border at daybreak in the manner of a gringo who first passes the mexican frontier i walked cautiously glancing behind me from time to time anticipating hostility if not actual violence 
in the dusk of early morning the low flat-roofed adobe city of nogales assumed all the forbidding qualities of the fictional mexico but the leisurely immigration official was polite the customs inspector waved me through all formalities with one graceful gesture no one knifed me in the back and somewhere ahead beyond the dim line of railway coaches an engineer tolled his bell the train as though to shatter all foreign misconceptions of the country was about to depart on scheduled time two somewhat surprised i made a rush for the ticket window a native gentleman was there before me he was also buying passage but since he was personally acquainted with the agent it behooved him according to the dictates of spanish etiquette to converse pleasantly for the next half hour and your senora gracias gracias she enjoys the perfect health and your own most estimable senora also salubrious thanks to god i am gratified profoundly gratified and the little ones when last i had the pleasure to see you the chiquita was suffering from the engineer blew his whistle a conductor called vamanos i jumped up and down with gringo impatience the mexican gentleman gave no indication of haste the engineer might be so rude as to depart without him but he would not be hurried into any omission of the proper courtesies his dialogue was closing it is true but closing elaborately still according to the dictates of spanish etiquette in a handshake through the ticket window in an expression of mutual esteem and admiration in eloquent wishes to be remembered to everybody in hermosillo enumerated by name until it sounded like a census in another handshake and finally in a long repeated series of adios and que la vaya ben what mattered it if all the passengers missed the train would there not be another one to-morrow this despite the railway schedule was the land of manana three on his first day in mexico the american froths over each delay in time he learns to accept it with fatalistic calm as it happened the dialogue ceased at the right moment everyone caught the train another polite mexican gentleman cleared a seat for me and i settled myself just as nogales disappeared in a cloud of dust wondering why any train should start at such an unearthly hour of the morning the reason soon became obvious the timetable had been so arranged in order that the engineer could maintain a comfortable speed of six miles an hour stop with characteristic mexican sociability at each group of mud huts along the way linger there indefinitely as though fearful of giving offence by too abrupt a departure and still be able to reach his destination about a hundred miles distant before dark in those days the last days of the carranza regime trains did not venture to run at night and certainly not across the yaqui desert it was a forbidding country an endless expanse of brownish sand relieved only by scraggly mesquite torrents from a long past rainy season had seamed it with innumerable gullies but a semi-tropic sun had left them dry and parched and the gnarled greasewood upon their banks drooped brown and leafless even the mountains along the horizon were grey and bleak and barren save for an occasional giant cactus that loomed in skeleton relief against a hot sky 
this was the state of sonora one of the richest in mexico but its wealth like the wealth of all mexico was not apparent to the eye of the tourist the villages at which we stopped were but groups of low adobe hovels the dogs that slunk about each habitation being of the mexican hairless breed were strangely in harmony with the desert itself and the peons dark-faced semi-indians mostly barefoot and clad in tattered rags seemed to have no occupation except that of frying a few beans and selling them to railway passengers at each infrequent station they were awaiting us aged beggars stumbled along the side of the coach led by tiny children to plead in whining voices for un centavito a little penny for the love of god women with bedraggled shawls over the head scurried from window to window offering strange edibles for sale baskets of cactus fruit resembling fresh figs frijoles wrapped in pancake-like tortillas of cornmeal legs of chicken floating in a yellow grease while the passengers leaned from the car to bargain with them what fifteen centavos for that stuff caramba ten cents then no how much will you give both parties seemed to enjoy this play of wits and when with a gringo's disinclination to haggle i bought anything at the price first stated the vendors seemed a trifle disappointed everybody bought something at each stopping-place and ate constantly between stations as though eager to consume the purchases in time to repeat the bargaining at the next town the journey became a picnic and there was a childlike quality about the mexicans that made it strangely resemble a sunday-school outing at home although an escort of caranzista soldiers occupied a freight-car ahead as a precaution against the bandits which infested mexico in those days the passengers appeared blandly unconcerned each removed his coat and lighted a cigarette from the car wall a notice screamed the spanish equivalent of no smoking but the conductor stumbling into the coach over a family of peons who had crowded in from the second-class compartment merely paused to glance at the smokers and to borrow a light himself every one with the friendliness for which the latin american is unsurpassed engaged his neighbor in conversation the portly gentleman who had cleared a seat for me inquired the object of my visit to mexico and listened politely while i slaughtered his language the conductor bowed and thanked me for my ticket when the peon children in the aisle pointed at me and whispered gringo their mother ceased feeding a baby to shush them their father kicked them surreptitiously with a loose flapping sandal and both parents smiled in response to my amused grin there was something pleasant and carefree about this mexico that proved infectious atop the freight cars ahead the escort of federal troops laid aside their mausers removed their criss-crossed cartridge belts and settled themselves for a siesta as the desert sun rose higher inducing a spirit of coma the passengers also settled themselves for a nap the babble of the morning gave place to silence to silence broken only by the fretting cry of an infant and the steady click of the wheels as we crawled southward hour after hour through the empty wastes of mesquite and then as always in mexico the unexpected happened 
the silence was punctured by the staccato roar of a machine-gun four in an instant all was confusion whether or not the shooting came from the caranzista escort or from some gang of bandits hidden in the brush no one waited to ascertain not a person screamed yet as though trained by previous experience every one ducked beneath the level of the windows the women sheltering their children the men whipping out their long pearl-handled revolvers the only man who showed any sign of agitation was my portly friend his immense purple sombrero had tumbled over the backrest onto another seat and he was frantic until he recovered it after the first roar of the machine-gun all was quiet the fatalistic calm of the mexicans served only to heighten the suspense the train had stopped when a few months earlier yaqui indians had raided another express on this same line the guard had cut loose with the engine leaving the passengers to their fate a fate somewhat gruesomely advertised by a few scraps of rotted clothing half embedded in the desert sand the thought that history had repeated itself was uppermost in my mind and the peon on the floor beside me voiced it also in a fatalistic muttering of dios they have left us we are so good as dead we waited grimly waited interminably with a crash the door opened a dozen revolvers covered the man who entered a dozen fingers tightened upon a trigger but it was only the conductor no hay cuidado senores he said pleasantly the escort was shooting at a jack-rabbit five the passengers sat up again laughing at one another talking with excited gestures as they described their sensations enjoying one another's chagrin all of them as noisy and happy as children upon a picnic they bought more frijoles and the feast recommenced lasting until mid-afternoon when we pulled into hermosillo the capital of sonora a swarm of porters rushed upon us holding up tin license tags as they screamed for our patronage hotel runners leaped aboard the car and scrambled along the aisle presenting us with cards and reciting rapidly the superior merits of their respective hostelries meanwhile arguing with rival agents and assuring us that the other fellow's beds were alive with vermin that the other fellow's food was rank poison and that the other fellow's servants would at least rob us if they did not commit actual homicide i fought my way through them to the platform where another battle scene was being enacted mexican friends were meeting mexican friends to force a passage was a sheer impossibility two of them recognizing each other promptly went into a clinch embracing one another slapping one another upon the back and venting their joy in loud gurgles of ecstasy meanwhile blocking up the entire platform restraining gringo impatience once more i stood and laughed at them in so many cases the extravagant greetings savoured of insincerity one noticed a flabbiness in the hand-clasps a formality in the hugs an affectation in the shouts of i my friend how happy i am to see you yet in many cases the demonstrations were real so real that they brought a peculiar little gulp into one's throat even while one laughed be they sincere or insincere i really liked these crazy mexicans chapter three in sleepy hermosillo one 
a little brown cochero pounced upon me and took me aboard a dilapidated hack drawn by two mournful-looking quadrupeds hotel americano he inquired no hotel distinctly mexicano he whipped up his horses and we jogged away through the narrow streets lined with the massive fortress-like walls of moorish dwellings past a tiny palm-grown plaza fronted by an old white cathedral to stop finally before a one-story structure whose stucco was cracked and scarred and dented with the bullet-holes of innumerable revolutions the proprietor himself a dignified gentleman in black advanced to meet me were there rooms why not signor whereupon he seated himself before an immense ledger to pore over it with knitted brows stopping now and then to stare vacantly skyward in the manner of one who solves a puzzle or composes an epic poem number sixteen he finally announced occupied said a servant another period of intellectual absorption number four there being no expostulation a search ensued for the key it developed that room number four was opened by key number seven which in conformity to some system altogether baffling to a gringo was usually kept on peg number thirteen but had been misplaced by some careless servant the little proprietor waved both hands in the air what mojos he exclaimed no sense of orderliness whatsoever a prolonged search resulted however in its discovery and the proprietor himself led the way back through a succession of patios or interior gardens the front ones embellished with orange trees and the rear ones with rubbish barrels to room number four from which the lock had long ago been broken it was a large apartment with brick floor it contained a canvas cot a wobbly chair and an aged bureau distinguished for its sticky drawers an air of lost grandeur and a burnt wood effect achieved by the cigarette butts of many generations of guests the bare walls were ornamented only by a placard containing a set of rules printed in wholesale quantities for whatever hotels crave the enhanced dignity of elaborate regulations proclaiming among other things that occupants must comport themselves with strict morality one of our very choicest rooms signor smiled the proprietor as he withdrew it has a window a window did improve it from the narrow street outside came the soft voices of peons the sing-song call of a lottery ticket vendor the tread of sandaled feet the clatter of hoofs from a passing burro train laden with bullion from distant mines the guttural protesting cry of the drivers all in the exotic symphony of a foreign land yet there was a calm subdued note about the chorus in mexico a newly arrived gringo expected melodrama it was disconcerting to find only peace an indian maiden straight as an arrow swung past with the flat-footed stride of the shoeless classes balancing an earthenware jar upon her dark head a fat old lady cantered by upon a tiny donkey perched precariously upon the extreme stern a little brown runt of a man staggered past under a gigantic wooden table another staggered past under the influence of alcohol women on their way to market stopped to offer me their wares did i wish to buy a chicken or a watermelon 
would i care for a bouquet of yucca lilies or an umbrella if not an umbrella a second-hand guitar no they seemed surprised and disappointed but they smiled politely gracias just the same senor adios an ice-cream vendor made his rounds with a slap of leather sandals balancing atop his sombrero a dripping freezer he stopped before a patron to dish the slushy mixture into a cracked glass pushing it off the spoon with a dirty finger and licking the spoon clean before he dropped it back into the can from one pocket he produced bottles and poured colored matter over the concoction scarlet green and purple then he swung his burden aloft and continued on his way chanting i carry snow i carry snow even the cries of a peddler were soft and gentle here i was about to turn from the window when around the corner came a strange procession of mournful men and wailing women led by three coffins balanced like every other species of baggage in this country upon the heads of peons mexico was mexico after all here was evidence of melodrama excitedly i hailed the proprietor a bandit attack senor no indeed jose santos dominguez had a christening at his house last night purely a family affair senor nothing more two after the dusty railway journey i craved a bath from a doorway across the patio a legend beckoned with the inscription of banos i called an indian servant-maid pointed at the legend struggled with spanish and finally secured a towel the bathroom door like that of my room had long ago lost its lock searching among the several tin cans which littered one corner i found a stick which evidently was used for propping against the door by such bathers as desired privacy having undressed i leaped jubilantly into the huge old-fashioned tub and turned on the water there was no water poking modest head and shoulders around the edge of the door i looked for the maid she eventually made her appearance as servants will even in mexico and regarded me suspiciously from a safe distance no senor that is no water you asked for a towel you did not mention that you wished also a bath well for the love of mike when manana senor always in the morning there is water and so after supper and a stroll in the plaza i retired still coated with sonora desert to my room there was some difficulty in locating the electric button since another careless mojo had backed the bureau against it there was also some difficulty in arranging the mosquito net over my bed it hung from the ceiling by a slender cord which immediately broke in the pulley i piled a chair on top of a cot climbed up and mended the string climbed down and lowered the net to the proper height unfolded it and discovered that it was full of gaping holes through which not only a mosquito but possibly a small ostrich would have flown with comfort and security finally beginning to feel that the charm of mexico had been vastly overrated by previous writers i retired prepared to fight mosquitoes and discovered that there were no mosquitoes in hermosillo in the morning rejuvenated and re-energized i again waylaid the indian servant maid ah she exclaimed as though it were a new idea the senora wishes a bath why not momentito 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 is spanish for keep your shirt on 
or don't raise hell about it or more literally in the tiny fraction of a moment it suggests to the native mind a lightning-like speed even more than does manana and eventually i did get the bath there was some delay while the water was heated and more delay while the maid carried it a kettleful at a time from the kitchen to the bathroom but the last kettle was ready by the time the rest had cooled and i finally emerged refreshed to discover again that in mexico the unexpected always happens when i pulled out the old sock used as a stopper the water ran out upon the bathroom floor and disappeared down a gutter carrying with it the shoes i had left beside the tub three but hermesillo possessed a charm which even a mexican bath could not destroy it was a sleepy little city typically mexican basking beneath a warm blue sky it stood in a fertile oasis of the desert and all about it were groves of orange trees its massive walled buildings had once been painted a violent red or green or yellow but time and weather had softened the barbaric colours until now they suggested the tents of some old italian masterpiece and although ancient bullet holes scarred its dwellings there hung over the moorish streets to-day a restful atmosphere of tranquillity at noon the merchants closed their shops and every one indulged in the national siesta the only exception was an american a quiet determined-looking man who kept walking up and down the hotel patio with quick nervous tread somebody just down from the states i asked the proprietor no senor he is the manager of mines in the yaqui country one of his trucks is missing and he fears lest indians have attacked it such a contingency in sleepy hermosillo sounded quite absurd it was the most peaceful appearing town in all the world as the siesta hour drew to a close the senoritas commenced to show themselves dressed and powdered for their evening stroll in the plaza they were dainty feminine creatures not always pretty yet invariably with a gentle womanliness that gave them charm upon the streets they passed a man with modestly downcast head behind the bars of a window and emboldened by a sense of security they favoured him with a roguish smile from the depths of languorous dark eyes and sometimes with a softly murmured adios i drifted toward the plaza wondering how a freelance newspaper correspondent were to earn a living in any country so outwardly unexciting as mexico and dropped disgustedly into a bench beside another young american he was a rosy-cheeked cherubic appearing lad he wore horn-rimmed spectacles and his neatly plastered hair was parted in the middle like myself he was dressed in a newly purchased palm beach suit his name was eustace he too was just out of the army he had enlisted he explained in the hope that he might live down a reputation as a model youth and the war department had given him a tame job on the mexican border cleaning out the cages of the signal corps pigeons wherefore he was now journeying into foreign lands in the hope of satisfying himself with some mild form of adventure very solemnly we shook hands i couldn't quite go back to cub reporting he exclaimed so i decided to become a freelance newspaper correspondent even more solemnly we shook hands again since neither of us actually expected that any editor would publish what we sent him we formed a partnership upon the spot 
the expedition had a new recruit and together we mourned the disappointing peacefulness of hermosillo evening descended upon the plaza a circle of lights appeared around the rickety little bandstand an orchestra played the senoritas strolled past us arm in arm while stately dons and solemn donas maintained a watchful chaperonage from the benches the night deepened the cathedral clock struck ten dons donas and senoritas disappeared in the direction of home the gendarme alone remained each muffled his throat as a precaution against night air and each set a lantern in the centre of a street crossing from all sides came the sound of iron bars sliding into place behind heavy doors hermosillo was going to bed as we also turned homeward our footsteps rang loudly through the silent streets a policeman unmuffled his throat and bade us a good night then he produced a tin whistle and blew a melancholy little toot to inform the policeman on the next corner that he was still awake from gendarme to gendarme the signal passed the plaintive wail seeming to say all's well a beggar huddled in a doorway hid his cigarette beneath his ragged blanket at our approach and held out his hand a lone wayfarer lingering upon the sidewalk before a window turned to glance at us and to bid us adios through the bars a girl's radiant face shone out of the darkness then the man's voice trailed after us singing very softly to the throbbing of a guitar a moon peeped over the edge of the low flat roofs a very aged and battered-looking moon with a greenish tinge like that of the old silver bells in hermosillo's ancient cathedral a moon which like the city below it suggested that it once had known troublous days yet was now at perfect peace this was a delightful land but to a pair of freelance newspaper correspondents as we entered the wide-arched portals of the hotel the telephone struck a jarring note the american mining man still pacing nervously up and down the patio leaped to the receiver lachlan speaking what news did they shot them both white and garcia both get the troops out i'll be there and just four in an instant eustace and i were at his elbow ours was the newspaper man's unsentimental eagerness which might have hailed the burning of an orphan asylum with its four hundred helpless inmates as splendid front-page copy here was murder this was mexico viva mexico here was our first story no time to talk snapped lachlan i'll send john louis for you in the morning he'll take you to la Colorada in the yaqui country itself you'll get the dope there and he vanished down the street we stood at the hotel gate a little startled gazing out into the night the moon smiled down over low flat roofs and a man's voice drifted to us singing very softly to the throbbing of a guitar and the plaintive note of a gendarme's whistle seemed to say all's well End of chapters one two and three